Chapter Four, Part One of the Markets of Paris by Emile Zola. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chickweed for the little birds, Part One. Marjolaine was found in the Marché des Innocents among a pile of cabbages. No one ever knew what wretched hands had put him there. He was about three years old when he was found, fat and happy, but so dull or backward that he did not speak one word when a woman turning over the cabbages suddenly beheld him under a huge white cabbage she uttered a little shriek and he stretched out his arms to her the whole day long the market talked of him he laughed all day and ate whatever was given him the woman who first saw him kept him a month she then passed him on to another and then to another when any one said to him where is your mother he made a droll little gesture which took in the whole market women he was the child of the hall living first with one of the women and then with another dressed no one precisely knew how but always having a few sous in his pocket a beautiful girl who sold plants called him marjolin no one knew why but the name was adopted marjolin was four when mother chantemesse found in her turn a little girl on the sidewalk outside of the market the child could not have been more than two but she chattered like a magpie in her childish dialect the woman thought she called herself cadine and said that her mother had told her to wait for her but the little girl was quite ready to go with mother chantemesse and seemed delighted with the crowd and all the pretty vegetables mother chantemesse was a goodish sort of woman about sixty who adored children and had lost three of her own and she adopted cadine one evening as the old woman was walking through the market leading cadine by the right hand marjolin came up and took the child's left hand without the smallest ceremony well well said the old woman you are too late your place is taken but when the little fellow smiled in her face it was too much for her and she said to him come on one may as well have two as one i suppose and she walked home leading the two children whom she put to bed in an old hand-cart without wheels which if it was a little hard was clean thus did the two little imps grow up together and became inseparable Mother Chantemesse heard them talking together softly in the night. Cadine, in her baby voice, would tell the most wonderful stories, to which Marjolaine would listen in mute amazement. She invented stories as she grew older, which filled him with terror. She was once heard to say that the night before she had seen a tall man, all in white, standing at the foot of their bed looking at them, and when Marjolaine piteously begged for further details, she laughed delightedly and called him a great simpleton. For a long time their bed was their playroom. Cadine took her dolls there, and there their white teeth crunched stolen turnips. Each morning their adopted mother was astonished to find leaves and stones, apple cores and bundles of paper rolled up to imitate dolls. On rainy days, or very cold days, they remained in bed half the day, and slept as much as they could. This room in la rue de la lingerie was a large attic lighted by one window only the children played hide-and-seek there in the tall wardrobe and under the colossal bed there were two or three tables under which they could crawl the house had a succession of gutters into which the children threw stones with such success that they broke two windows and mother chantemesse was requested to leave cadine and marjolin spent much of their time in the streets which they fearlessly threaded when it rained they walked gravely side by side under an umbrella which was all in slits having been used for twenty years to shelter a vegetable stand they planted it in a corner of the market and called it their house 
on sunny warm days they bathed their feet in the gutter made little dams across it with stones hid among the vegetables and stayed there all night sometimes they would be caught by the delighted chuckle which came from a mountain of lettuces and when they were rooted out they looked like scared birds discovered amid the bushes cadine could not live without marjolin and marjolin wept when he lost cadine when they became separated they always looked for each other first among the cabbages which they seemed to prefer to all other vegetables marjolin was eight and cadine six when mother chantemesse first made them feel ashamed of their idleness she promised them each a super day if they would help her pare her vegetables this was the specialty of mother chantemesse on her table were piled little heaps of potatoes turnips and carrots scraped and peeled ready to pop into the pot of some hurried housewife she also had soup herbs tied up and bundles ready for the pot au feu four leeks three carrots one parsnip two turnips and some celery tops then too there were vegetables cut fine lying on paper ready for a julienne cadine was much more skilful than marjolin although younger her potato parings were so thin that one could see the light through them and she tied up her herbs in so graceful a fashion that they looked like bouquets and made the small piles look like larger ones so skilfully did she arrange them people as they passed stopped at the clear childish voice which saluted them buy of me madame buy of me only two sous she had her own customers soon her little piles had quite a reputation and mother chantemesse seated between the children laughed silently at seeing them so intent on their work she paid them each their sous every night but they soon grew weary of their undertaking and determined to enlarge their operations and find more lucrative employment marjolin remained a child a long time much to cadine's annoyance who called him a cabbage-head there was some truth in what she said for he had no faculty for making money while she was very clever when she was eight years old she was employed by one of the women who sold lemons and oranges near the market to run after people with them in her hands she received two sous for every dozen she sold and often made six or eight sous the next year she sold caps when her profits were larger the difficulty here was that not being allowed to sell them openly as such commerce is forbidden she was obliged to evade the police she saw them a square off the caps went under her petticoats and when they reached her she was eating an apple with the most innocent air after this she sold cakes galettes and cherry tarts biscuits de maïs thick and yellow but marjolin ate too much of her stock at eleven she realized a great idea that had tormented her for some time she had saved four francs and she bought a little basket and began to sell chickweed this was a great event she rose early and bought her chickweed and her branches of millet and then she went as far as the luxembourg marjolin with her but she would not let him carry the basket he was only good to cry her wares she said and he shouted until he was hoarse chickweed chickweed for the little birds and then she would take up the cry and in a strange musical phrase would call chickweed chickweed for the little birds at this time marjolin wore a huge red vest which had belonged to the defunct father chantemesse who had driven a fiacre cadine's dress was a blue and white check cut from a tartan once worn by mother chantemesse all the canary birds in the quartier latin knew them and would answer to their cry by fluttering wings and an eager chirp cadine sold watercresses also two sous for a basket only two sous the central hall were now being built 
and the little girl was carried away by the long alley of flowers which crossed the fruit market there she saw two thick hedges of roses and drank in the perfume with exquisite delight she held her curly head under marjolin's nose and he vowed she should never use any more pomade she finally managed so cleverly that she obtained a position at one of the flower stands and lived from morning until night among roses and lilacs wallflowers and lilies of the valley marjolet to tease her would catch the hem of her dress and smell of it to be sure he would say lilies of the valley then he would snuff at her shoulders wallflowers he added sententiously he would hold her hands up high smell of them lilies my dear and your lips are roses cadine laughed called him a goose and told him to let her be but in truth she was a living bouquet the girl rose at four to help her mistress at work each morning there were huge baskets of flowers brought in packages of moss periwinkle and ferns on fete days their labours began at two o'clock when more than one hundred thousand francs worth of cut flowers were sold in the market on such days only cadine's pretty curly head was to be seen among her pansies mignonettes and marguerites she was lost among the flowers in a very short time she had acquired not only skill but exhibited great originality her bouquets did not please everybody by any means they were even disagreeable to some persons reds predominated combined with yellows and blues in a barbaric sort of way on those mornings when the girl had teased marjolin until he was ready to weep her bouquets were more than ever fiery in colour other days when she was moved by some joy or some sorrow her bouquets were soft and tender they were roses then or white carnations tawny gladioli like patches of flame among feathery verdure a tapestry of smyrna patiently imitated flower by flower or fans gracefully spread and soft as lace dreams of loveliness to place in the hands of a graceful woman or a pure young girl all the strange fancies were those of a child in whom the woman was just awakening cadine respected only two things lilacs a bunch of which six or eight sprays costs in winter from fifteen to twenty francs and camellias which are dearer still and which come from the florists in boxes of a dozen each on a bed of moss covered with cotton wool she took them up as she would have handled jewels with the most delicate care hardly venturing to breathe lest she should tarnish their exquisite beauty and with infinite precautions put a fine wire through their short stems she spoke of them with great deference telling marjolin that a white camellia without a brown or rusty stain was a very rare thing one morning when she was trying to make him admire one he said oh yes it is pretty but not half as pretty as the skin under your chin it is no whiter and not half as smooth he touched her with the tips of his fingers and then added everything about you to-day smells of orange blossoms cadine was not very amiable nor a very submissive little servant and consequently established herself on her own account as soon as she could which of course was at first only on a very small scale she sold boutonnieres of violets for a sou which were stuck in a flat basket she spent her days in the halle this was her great delight and she arranged her violets as she walked with wonderful dexterity she counted six or eight flowers according to the season added a leaf or two and wound around them a damp thread which she bit off with her sharp white teeth her basket was always full no matter how many she sold so quick was she in making them 
no matter how rudely she was jostled in the crowded streets her rapid fingers moved while her eyes were occupied with the shop windows sometimes she sat down for a while in a doorway and gave to the very gutter wherein the dirty water ran a look of spring her boutonnieres indicated her mood some were fierce and bristling others sweet and tender wherever she went she left behind her an odour of the country and marjolaine told her she was herself one big violet the girl made no further changes she adhered to the flower business but as the two children grew up she occasionally left her osier basket at home and went off with marjolaine exploring the hall and its cellars they knew its every corner and dim recess and were thoroughly at home with the sleeping giant cadine and marjolaine had outgrown the old handcart in the attic of mother chantemesse the old woman had sent the boy to a neighbor's to sleep but the children were unhappy at the separation and liked to curl up together behind the food stalls in the market and as they grew older they often slept in the cellar and among the baskets of feathers enjoying the sense of companionship in the most utter innocence but later they lived like young and happy animals cadine at sixteen was a thorough bohemienne selfish sensual and greedy marjolaine at eighteen was dull of intellect but good-natured if a little blasé cadine laughed impudently in the face of mother chantemesse when the old woman asked her where she had spent the night when the girl was not with marjolaine he slept anywhere among the old boxes but he never left the hall it was there they spent their lives but their great delight was in the especial market devoted to butter eggs and cheeses where every morning piles of empty baskets were found they selected an enormous one and called it their house there they lay unsuspected by any one and shook with laughter when people stopped near them to talk without suspecting their presence cadine in cherry time armed herself with any amount of stones which she threw at the noses of all the old women who passed which was all the better fun for them as the poor old things could not divine whence came the hailstorm they amused themselves by following the track of the subterranean railway the deserted avenues with its streaks of daylight coming through the gratings the dark corners lighted by gas the whole place seemed to belong to them occasionally on moonlight nights they climbed upon the roofs by the narrow staircase at each angle and found a wide field of zinc spread before them but they did not stop here they went still higher until only the sky was above them at this height the air was very pure the wind swept away all the bad odours from the market and at daybreak they sat on the edge of the roof by the gutters with the sparrows cadine laughed aloud with a sound like the cooing of a dove marjolaine when they came down said they had been in the country it was at the tripe market that they first made the acquaintance of claude lantier they went there every day they liked to watch the carts drive up they looked at the lambs feet which were piled up like dirty paving stones the huge red tongues and bullocks hearts they shivered as they saw the bloody heads and thought of a guillotine but fascinated followed them to the cellar and saw them broken one by one by the butchers with a mallet and the brains taken out toward evening between four and five cadine and marjolaine were sure of meeting claude who was in an ecstasy at the beauty of colouring the painter became the great friend of the two gamins he contemplated a colossal picture of the two young lovers in the market among the meats vegetables and fish he dreamed of an artistic manifesto of the positivism of art modern art experimental and materialistic 
and hope thus to satirize the painter of ideas and to strike a blow at the old school for more than two years he had made studies for this purpose but had not yet found the keynote he had commenced a dozen canvases but was dissatisfied with all and felt a certain spite against his two models on account of his unpainted picture wherever he saw them however he joined them and the three roamed the streets together all in a row compelling the people they met to turn out for them they learned to know each corner by its odors the wine shop the pastry cooks and the bakers when they wandered through the wide new streets la rue du pont neuf and la rue des halles he orated to the gamins on their beauty and magnificence on the birth of a new era which he felt to be near at hand an era of originality but cadine and marjolin preferred the provincial quiet of la rue des bourdonnais where they could play marbles on the curbstones without danger of being walked on they preferred those portions of old paris which were still left standing les rues de la poterie et de la lingerie with their swelled front houses and narrow dark shops they liked to loiter at the windows and adore the sweetmeats the boxes of prunes and the candies in the confectioner's windows there was one shop where soap was manufactured where marjolin always stopped to catch the fragrance which came from the door as it was opened cadine insisted on looking at the barrels of anchovies and capers at a great warehouse huge jars of pickled cucumbers and olives with their wooden spoons she liked the smell of pickled salmon of hams and dried herring and smacked her lips at the sight of the boxes of sardines in la rue coquillere they caught the smell of truffles and there cadine and marjolin shut their eyes and pretended they were eating the most delicious things claude laughed at them called them simpletons and said he should leave them to dine on the smell of truffles cadine when she was alone did not extend her walk so far she had a weakness for certain places for an especial pastry cook who displayed in la rue sur bigot almond cakes savarnes babas and eclairs custards and creams and looked with longing eyes on the macaroons and madeleines the bakery with its clean marble counters was almost as attractive and yielding to temptation she would go in and buy a brioche for two sous another shop opposite the square des innocents made her mouth water and she vowed to herself that the day would come when she would eat her fill of the delicacies there displayed cadine also felt a longing for pretty things to wear as well as to eat and as she walked would select a pale blue or green silk as that which she would like and in the evening lingered before the jewellers in la rue montmartre whose windows blazed with the white light of silver and the yellow hue of gold the watches bracelets and rings did not tempt her as much as the silver thimbles which covered a globe she selected however some earrings of imitation coral which she regarded as altogether the most beautiful things there one morning claude found her transfixed before the window of a coiffeur in la rue st honore she was looking with evident longing at the display of hair in all hues from the palest blonde to the densest black in the midst of which a woman's bust was slowly revolving the woman wore a scarf of cherry satin fastened by a brass breastpin and the hair was dressed as a bride's very high with orange blossoms the mouth wore a simple smile and the eyelashes were stiff and preposterously long but cadine was completely fascinated by this beautiful creature claude was furious he shook cadine and asked her what she found to admire in that bust which looked as if it had come from the morgue cadine and marjolin had made the acquaintance of leon the apprentice of the Quenu gradelle they saw him as he carried a tray to some customer select a quiet corner 
and there lift the covers and try each dish in succession they at once felt him to be one of themselves and cadine determined to know him and enjoy these delicacies with him on some future occasion she invited him to a breakfast which she gave in a corner of the market sheltered from public observation by a rampart of empty baskets the table was a flat basket turned bottom upwards they had pears nuts cheese and shrimps fried potatoes and radishes the cheese came from a fruiterer's in la rue de la cossonnerie and was a present she had purchased two cents worth of fried potatoes on credit the rest of the feast she had stolen it was a regal repast and leon not wishing to be outdone returned the civility by a supper and gave them cold blood pudding sausages pickles and ham the charcuterie of the quenu gradelle had provided everything from this time suppers and breakfasts were constantly interchanged never were young people happier marjolin constantly provided sweet surprises for cadine in the way of delicacies which he stole for her delectation he had become very skilful in this respect and helped himself like magic as he walked between the stalls notwithstanding his success however the friteur was beginning to make loud complaints this friteur whom cadine patronized had his little stall supported against the side of a tottering wall held up by moss-covered beams and cadine owed him thirty sous and was quite crushed by the debt how could she ever pay it she did not count on marjolin she never did she felt herself compelled to return leon's politeness and was quite ashamed that she could never offer him any meat he had served them an entire ham at a time he had all the things which the shop could furnish but no bread and nothing to drink marjolin saw leon kiss the girl one night but he only laughed he was not jealous of her claude never assisted at these festivities he had caught cadine one day stealing a bunch of beets and had pulled her ears well she should not do this he said and yet he felt a certain sense of amusement at seeing these happy animals picking up the crumbs of this abundance marjolin was in gavard's employment and had little to do save to hear his master's interminable tales while cadine continued to sell her violets marjolin left her very often to look through the windows at madame quenu he experienced in looking at her a sensation as if he had eaten something that he liked and he left the window eager to see her again he dreamed of her every night and contrived to see her nearly every day as she had now taken upon herself the task of going to market and passed gavard's shop on her way the truth was her instinct taught her that she was more likely to induce him to speak openly to her in his own shop than in hers where he was on his guard but in his he was quite willing to orate she determined to discover from him what took place at monsieur lebigre's for in mademoiselle saget she did not place unbounded confidence she was appalled at what gavard told her and two days after the explanation she had had with quenu she came in from market very pale she made a sign to her husband to follow her into the dining-room she closed the doors and then turned toward him your brother then is determined to send us all to the scaffold is he why do you have any concealments from me quenu swore that he did not know what she meant and then promised her never to set foot again inside the cabaret she shrugged her shoulders you will do wisely she answered unless you wish to leave your skin there florent will get himself into trouble i see it i feel it then after a moment's silence she added more calmly what a foolish fellow he is he might live here in the clover if he chose 
but no he must dabble in politics he will ruin himself and us too canu this must end i told you so you remember canu caught his breath he knew what was coming he shall eat here no more she said it is enough for him to sleep here he makes money let him buy his own food canu tried to protest but she closed his lips by exclaiming then choose between him and us i swear to you that i will take my daughter and go away if he remains i shall speak the plain truth to you now he is in my opinion a bad man who has brought only trouble into our home but i will soon settle it you must choose between him and me quenu was breathless and she left him and returned to the shop where she weighed out a half-pound of pâté de foie with her affable smile gavard in a hot political discussion to which she had adroitly led up had said that she would soon see strange things and made several veiled allusions which disturbed her greatly her imagination at once depicted armed police picking up quenu pauline and herself by the napes of their necks and incarcerating them in a prison she was icy in her demeanour that night toward florent she did not help him to any dish on the table and said several times it is strange how much bread we eat lately florent at last understood that he was treated like a poor relation of whom one wishes to get rid he had worn quenu's old clothes for the last two months and as quenu was fat and he thin the effect of these garments was most remarkable lisa also handed him over her husband's old linen the ragged towels and sheets were sent to his room and he no longer was treated in other ways with the consideration which had been shown him little pauline made remarks which wounded him in regard to the shabbiness of his garments these remarks about the bread were more than he could endure quenu did not look up and pretended not to notice what was going on florent however did not know how to get away for a week he tried to find words in which to say that he thought he should prefer to take his meals elsewhere his gentle nature cherished the illusion that he should wound his brother and sister-in-law by this proposition he was unwilling to admit even to himself the hostility which lisa felt toward him nor did he once think so great was his unselfishness of his money which his sister-in-law held in her hand he thought with what remained to him of his salary and with the proceeds of the lessons he gave one pupil that he could spend eighteen sous for his breakfast and twenty-six for his dinner at last one morning he said that as he found it impossible to be punctual at his meals that he would take them when and where he could he coloured as he said this la belle lisa was cold and stately which troubled him greatly she had determined not to take the initiative but to wait until he spoke himself and now she should get rid of him without any disagreeable scene but quenu exclaimed in some agitation eat just where you please my dear fellow you will remember however that it is your own fault if you go you will dine with us sometimes on sunday however florent hastily left the room for his heart was very full and lisa when alone with quenu did not venture to reproach him for the weakness of which he had been guilty in this invitation for sundays she was victorious and she drew a long sigh of satisfaction and wanted to burn some sugar to get rid of the fishy smell which she said haunted her at the end of a week she was not as well satisfied she saw florent very rarely and she took it into her head that he was manufacturing some infernal machine up in the attic or arranging some system of signals from his window gavard was apparently despondent he left his shop in marjolin's care for a day at a time and fidgeted to and fro 
la belle lisa determined on a master blow she knew that florent had asked for a few days holiday and proposed to pass them with claude lantier at nanterre with madame francois lisa went to invite gavard to dinner but she could not find him marjolin was alone in the shop End of chapter four part one